Hi, this is Matt. I'm on holiday at the moment, but I want to make sure that you've got plenty of Recruiting Future content to listen to until I'm back. So for the next four weeks, I'm going to supplement the new interviews that are being published in July by republishing some of my favourite episodes with conversations you may have missed the first time around. The final replay for July is a discussion about the Body Shop's open hiring programme with Nakiba King, their global head of inclusion and belonging. Not only is this an important look at diversity and inclusion, it also shows you what happens when you challenge some of the established thinking organisations have about talent, assessment and hiring. Support for this podcast comes from Eightfold.ai. Eightfold.ai delivers the talent intelligence platform, the most effective way for companies to retain top performers, upskill and reskill the workforce, recruit top talent efficiently and reach diversity goals. Eightfold.ai's deep learning artificial intelligence platform empowers enterprises to turn talent management into a competitive advantage. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 429 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Some of my favourite conversations on the show in the last six months have been round inclusive hiring. Many people are doing brilliant work to support people from marginalised groups into the workforce. And I've learnt a lot from talking to employers like Timpson and organisations like the Bridge of Hope. In this episode, we're going to explore what happens when an employer removes all screening all background checks and all education and experience requirements from their hiring to be more inclusive. What are the advantages, the challenges and the results? My guest this week is Nakiba King, Global Head of Inclusion and Belonging at The Body Shop. A few years ago, The Body Shop created an open hiring programme to ensure they were being as inclusive as possible. It's a strategy that's produced some amazing results, and it's now giving them a unique competitive advantage in today's challenging talent markets. Hi, Nakiba, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Yes, absolutely. So I am Nakiba King, and I work for The Body Shop, where I'm the head of global inclusion and belonging. So I've been around The Body Shop for a while. I've been at The Body Shop for around nine years and done a variety of things. So I worked in retail for several years as a area and district sales and talent manager before moving into this role in inclusion and belonging. Fantastic stuff. So tell us a little bit more about the body shop at the moment and the challenges that particularly the recruiting challenges that you're facing. Yes, absolutely. So Body Shop, we've been around since 1976 and we've always been 
really uh, a brand that existed to fight for a fairer, more beautiful world through our activism and our hardworking, sustainable, inclusive products. So we were founded by Anita Roddick and our first store, Anita, opened in Brighton, England and took this really radical approach to beauty that was really different from other others in the beauty industry. So she, we, we have simple products that are ethically sourced, have natural ingredient, ingredients. Um, and at the time, in really no-nonsense packaging and you could refill them quite easily. And the products, the beauty rituals were made for everybody. So people really feel good in their skin and and really promoted healthy self-esteem. So since that time, we've um, continued. So we've pioneered social environmental change. We are a certified B Corp, um, the largest ever B Corp to be founded by a woman. And I think, you know, as far as recruiting challenges that we face. So uh, in the current market, we are facing the same challenges as a lot of other companies. So talent retention probably being the number one thing, particularly in retail in this sort of a great resignation um, age and open hiring. So we didn't actually implement open hiring as a response to the current challenges, this, this recruiting model this part of our recruiting model, so open hiring, which eliminates common barriers to employment, has been around for a few years since uh, 2018. And we found that the impact of the program allows us to successfully hire in a competitive market, sort of regardless. It, it, it addresses almost any recruiting challenge that you could face because it really drastically widens the band of applicants. So I want to talk about open hiring in, in a lot of detail, but just so to, to clarify, so open hiring was there for a while, but is it something that you've ramped up in the last sort of two years with the recruitment and retention issues that you've had? Yeah. So open hiring, as I mentioned, we we put the pilot program in place in our distribution center prior to the pandemic in 2019. While it wasn't a reaction to COVID or, or what's going on in the job market right now, it created this ready-made sort of pool of applicants that are always there, ready and available to be hired. So it hasn't the current challenges haven't directly impacted how we run open hiring, but during this time, we've developed the program over the course of the past two years. So we're doing a few things a little bit differently than we were initially. And one of them is we've really been more intentional and implemented a more purposeful form of recruitment that works alongside open hiring and we call it targeted recruitment. So basically we partner with local nonprofits uh, and charities to recruit candidates who've had difficulty gaining employment in the past. So the people that are the most marginalized and maybe the furthest away from the job market and in the U S you know, we partnered with Chrysalis as one example. Chrysalis is in California and they focus on aiding low income people into employment. We partnered with uh, Wake LRC, which exists. They assist people transitioning back to society after incarceration. Uh, City Relief and Project Renewal both support ho- the homeless population. And those are a few of the charity and nonprofit partnerships that we have to really uh, attract people who need the opportunity. We also developed. So when people are coming into employ in, into employment with us, we developed a needs intake form that alongside our partners, it allows us to provide wraparound support services to our new open hires. So our human resources team personnel can get to know the employee during the onboarding process and identify any needs they may have in order to be successful, such as housing or transportation, financial literacy. And then they'll connect them to the Body Shops Employee Assistance Program for support and or to our partners, our 
our NGO and charity partners who provide that wraparound support as well. And then the third thing that we've really done over the last couple of years is we've created and implemented new training. So this really robust training uh, ecosystem around the program for employees at all levels that we hope will facilitate even more inclusivity in our work environments and really help employees level up their skill, their soft skills and capabilities so they can be successful in these roles. Absolutely amazing stuff. Just to dig a little bit deeper, I mean, talk us through the the concept of open hiring. What is it? How does it work exactly? And, you know, what were the motivation, the, the, the original motivations behind um, implementing it? Yes, for sure. So it was a natural extension, really, for us to take our mission, our brand mission and around using business as a force for good and to implement that mission through our HR practices. So we were specifically looking at and thinking about, you know, how how do we hire and how inclusive is our hiring and how disruptive and sort of progressive can we be in thinking about how we hire to address recruiting challenges um, and also just inclusivity. So open hiring is our hiring practice for entry-level retail and also distribution center employees. And It promotes a systemic, really fair approach to attraction and recruitment and then how we select candidates by eliminating common barriers to employment. So we've eliminated background checks for these roles, drug screenings, education requirements, previous experience. We've taken all of those things that are sometimes barriers to people entering the workforce out. It's a comprehensive system. It replaces scrutiny with trust. We really focus on people's potential. So instead of traditional interview process, applicants are basically asked three simple questions and the opportunity is offered to candidates in order of application. So we say first to apply, first to to sort of get the opportunity. So the questions, the three questions, if you're in the distribution center, we ask, you know, are you legally authorized to work in the U.S.? Can you lift up to 50 pounds? And can you work up to eight hours a shift? And and those questions are really the same in, in any market where open hiring exists, of course, legally authorized to work in that local market. For retail employees, we ask something really similar. So are you legally authorized to work in the U.S.? Can you lift up to 25 pounds? Can you work up to eight hours a shift? And then we also ask them why they want to work with customers, which isn't a disqualifier, but we ask and, and sort of start the conversation that it's a customer facing opportunity. We instituted this this way of working in this policy because we really do believe in that businesses can be a force for good. And for us, we've always had this belief around, you know, education and also access to employment being the greatest equalizers by removing barriers for people. And, and this program clearly removes bar- barriers and bias in recruitment and provides chances for people who need them the most. You mentioned there that it was a, an obvious move because it's so in tune with the the DNA of the organization. Yes. Were there challenges when you introduced it? What was it like to sort of take that leap forward and um, introduce open hiring? Yes, yes. So there were absolutely challenges. (laughs) And I think um, the biggest challenge with open hiring is that, and this is natural. So naturally people ask questions. And I think you know, just based on experiences and 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 with with how they've hired and thought about hiring in the past, sometimes people second guess an applicant's ability to do the job because they are an open hire. We've removed sort of the screening, right? So they question that, and you pick up on that level of doubt and suspicion. And our job really is to help people with that and to help them check their biases and to help grow their understanding um, around the program. So last year, just in response to some of the things that 
can sometimes be challenges in the way that, that people think about this when they first hear it and they're going through sort of that change curve from a data perspective. So last year, we converted 30% of our open hires to permanent positions. And that's an example of how many people come through the program that we retain. Uh, because prior to open hiring, that stat was 19%. So it, it's really grown the number of people that convert into permanent roles. And we, we also, we study the program. So in a survey conducted with our store managers in North America, you know, the store managers told us that 89% of them said, I would rehire my open hire, which combats that doubt that sometimes people have around, you know, can people do the job if they're open hire as well? Um, I think other things, so the criminal history, we we do hire people that have previous have been previously incarcerated and in particular in our distribution center. Now that criminal history of our intake worried some people too. And I think people thought, you know, will there be more stealing? Will there be more fighting? Will there be more sort of performance or productivity issues? But in fact, we haven't seen an uptick in those incidences. And in, and instead we have this workforce who's found focus and really meaningful work and they're very loyal uh, to the brand. So again, we believe business businesses are a force for good and that means you know, we think you should get every, give everyone an opportunity to work regardless of their background and previous experience. So second chances and also first chances, because for some people, you know, they, they haven't even had that first chance to sort of get in and, and to work. So our biggest lesson, I think, is that it's simple works. We're not saying that, you know, the body shop is the job with the body shop is necessarily the end of someone's journey, but it definitely can have a positive impact on people's lives and their communities and and help them as they're, you know, transitioning into work with us and also beyond that time that they've spent in our organization. Just to dig a little bit deeper into the process itself, does technology play play a role? Does that help facilitate this at all? I think I would say technology doesn't play a major role. The the program, we've built this program really, really simply, right? It's really simple on purpose because we're intentionally trying to remove barriers, including technological barriers, to ensure that applying is accessible as possible um, for as many people as possible. So in our stores, we do offer applicants, if they come in the store to apply, we offer them access to our store laptops. We also have QR codes on our store signage with a direct link to application forms because, you know, we found that for the younger candidates and younger generation who are applying, often QR codes are preferred method. They can just scan them and use their phone to apply. So in that way, technology has been beneficial. But overall, you know, we, we really try to make access as 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 easy and barrier free as possible. In in fact, in our distribution center, we host on the on the spot job fairs in towns near our uh, facility in North Carolina and applicants can fill out the forms manually. So uh, technology, I would say, doesn't play a, a major role for us. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi, everyone. I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over a hundred markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York, and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www. 
www.wonolo.com slash pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. You mentioned some of the external support that you've um, accessed to to kind of really help people from, particularly people from um, sort of marginalised communities. Yes who've joined the organization to to really make sure everyone's included tell us a little bit more about that and how important is inclusion to the success of the whole initiative yes absolutely so yeah so in in actually it was this last year in 2021 in that version of the program that we expanded the program in our distribution center so we expanded the uh the store the program to include stores across North America and also globally so we expanded into the UK and Australia and as we were doing that we implemented this targeted recruitment method that I was mentioning to you so uh we partnered directly with non nonprofits and the reason for doing that is because you know we really wanted to remove barriers to employment in general but we also realized that there are many communities who are even more marginalized have you know greater challenges into the workforce greater barriers and are um, either un- high levels of unemployment or underemployment so we we looked for nonprofits that serve and support those marginalized communities that could then help us to offer employment opportunities for those people. So, you know, I mentioned some of our partnerships, so partnerships with local nonprofits, uh, because those those nonprofits have relationships with those candidates already that have difficulty gaining employment, then we could work through those nonprofits to access the community. So the U.S. partners include Chrysalis, which focuses on aiding low-income people, as I mentioned, Wake LRC, which assists people transitioning back to society after incarceration, and then City Relief and Project Renewal, which both support the homeless population. And then, as I mentioned, when, when, when these team members come in, so the open hires come in to our population and they fill out that employee needs form with our partners that helps our partners and also us to identify the wraparound support services that they need. And then through human resources, clearly we can work to provide that support because we provide the the opportunity, we provide the job. However, people can often need additional things so that they have the stability to really be successful in that role. You mentioned some of the results and successes that you've that you've seen from the program in terms of yes. um, you know converting people to permanent hires and things like that. I mean, tell us more about the results and what's happening, and also what's next. How are you going to develop yes. hiring even further? Of course, of course. So we measure a variety of things. I mean, success metrics include retention rates, which remain. Um, positive feedback from managers, feedback from the open hires themselves, employee performance, and, and and honestly, just the impact that the program is having on individuals' lives. So since we permanently implemented open hiring, we've seen an overall improvement in both retention and productivity. And, you know, it expedites hiring as well as expands the talent pool. So it makes it easier to hire and faster to fill open roles. I mean, our time to fill an open role is sitting at under two weeks, um, which is better. It's improved from from what it was previously. Uh, During our pilot program in the D.C., our turnover reduced. It reduced actually in November of that year by 53 percent. And then in December by 69%, that was in 2019 and 2020. And we were able to completely fill available positions um, in that, in that, 
in those roles outside of COVID. So since 2020, we've been able to fill vacant roles at a 100% rate through open hiring. So as I mentioned, we always sort of have available applicants uh, to fill our roles and it, and it sped up that hiring process, as I mentioned. So before open hiring, it took an average of five days to fill a vacancy in our distribution center. Now there's always a candidate in place to start the next day. And for retail, it was an average of 17 days. And now it's an average of 12. Uh, As far as performance related metrics. So I mentioned earlier that sometimes for people, this can be an obstacle thinking, you know, thinking through what is the performance like? Is there an impact to performance when people are hired through open hiring? But actually, since the launch of the program, our rate of performance related terminations is about the same as it as it was for people that were hired through our routine screening process. So in 2020, there was a total of six performance-related terminations before open hiring began in November. And following the implementation for those hires that came in in November, there were three performance-related terminations. In 2021, there were five before open hiring and then three after, you know, from sort of September to November in the period that the open hires were in role. So overall, you know, we've seen improvements in key metrics as well as, you know, maintenance of our maintaining some of the the uh, other metrics that we, we were already experiencing. So outside of the success from a business perspective, uh, the one thing that I do want to take a moment to talk about is just the amazing stories and the experiences, not only from the candidates, but also from the store teams that have been working with the program. So a story that I really love to talk about and tell is we have a store manager that works in our Sawgrass Mills location, Sawgrass Mall location in Florida. And she shares a story all the time about a seasonal retail hire in her store. So we hired this gentleman. He walked into the store. He's looking for a job. And we asked him the three questions that I've mentioned. And we hired him on the spot. He showed up for his first day. He was eager. He was excited. But he had this huge backpack. And the store manager actually advised him to leave the backpack at home the next time because our locker storage is is limited and it wasn't large enough to accommodate the backpack. So she's, you know, just told him that he, he didn't necessarily have to bring it. And he turned around and he asked if he could be candid with her. Now, she said, of course, and that's when he shared with her that he was homeless and actually all of his belongings were in that backpack. So the store, I know, so the store made the accommodations for him and just found a way to make it work. And he turned out to be an incredible team member and employee. Now, he no longer works for the body shop. He actually, in that same mall, moved on to another position uh, um, after that seasonal period ended. And the store manager always says it was so hard to watch him go go home at night and also as he passed on to his next opportunity, but he always assured us that he was okay. He was grateful for the opportunity. And since he's left, he's working for that other retailer in the mall in a permanent position. So he was able to get that job actually because of his experience with the body shop. And he still comes by. So he still comes by the store. He says hi all the time. And actually, he's, he's he often will come by and ask to buy the store team lunch. But that's just one example. I mean, we have so many of people who've been really impacted by the program. Amazing. And and what's the future for the program look like? Is it something you're gonna gonna expand? Oh, definitely. So in twenty twenty one I mentioned we expanded to additional markets. So we are now open hiring in the UK, we're open hiring in Australia, and we do we're looking at um there's there's lots of interest, even internally, lots of markets that are sort of raising their hands and asking if they can join us on the journey. So we will expand the program a bit 
potentially over the course of 2022 with additional markets. We plan to bring in over 1,500 new employees through open hiring. So we brought in 1,400 people last year. We plan to bring in over 1,500 people through open hiring in all four of our global markets combined. And at least 350 of those people that come in, we want to ensure that they're coming from those charity partnerships that serve communities facing the most barriers to employment. So those are sort of our numerical goals. Um, But we're also building capability. So continuing to build, you know, training, development programs, apprenticeship programs, social support so that people are not only in an open hiring program, but they are supported to thrive in their development and their their long-term sort of career path. We're also looking at ways in which we can expand the program beyond entry level because currently it's entry level seasonal positions. However, later in in the UK, we're looking to um, pilot several corporate and global positions as well. So I know that there will be lots of TA leaders who are listening to this who who are very keen to implement or introduce similar programs in their own organizations. What, what have you learned as an organization from doing this? And what would your advice be to two TA leaders who are, who are wanting to do something similar in their business? Oh, my goodness. We've learned so many things. <laughs> I think um, one thing that I've learned personally is is to be curious, you know, to be curious because there are there are such sort of creative and innovative ways that we can think about talent acquisition and ways that really work. So, you know, a takeaway from open hiring specifically that I like people to consider is that, you know, previous experience, background checks, drug tests, while we've been doing those things for a long time, are not necessary to find good, hardworking people and employees. When you really give people access to something that they've been struggling to find, like employment, they'll work hard to keep it. And many of our employees have said that just getting that second chance has given them a reason to be excited to go to work and improve their future outlook on life. Um, So definitely a big learning uh, there about not needing some of those pre-employment barriers that we've traditionally thought were necessary. I think uh, another thing, so not only have our open hires met our expectations, but they've contributed to overall improvement in productivity and retention. So they've made us better. Um, The third thing is when you open the candidate pool to those that have been excluded, you really do have a whole new talent group waiting for opportunities. So, you know, if you're struggling to find talent, uh, just considering people that, you know, talent that's out there that is removed from the workforce for whatever reason. And and we haven't traditionally been able to reach really great pools of talent just waiting for opportunities. The other biggest takeaway is. I think knowing where to start. So when, you know, I'm, I've been talking about our program and the things that we've sort of built around the program to improve its capability and its efficacy. But when we first started, the first thing we did actually was we just eliminated barriers. So we just took out the barriers in the interview process. So we removed the education requirements for these roles, the background checks, et cetera. So we started really slow, really base level and rolled the program out in phases. So it doesn't have to be a heavy lift initially. Even just taking that first step of eliminating the background checks for employees at all levels will reduce bias and promote equity and open up your talent pool. So you can sort of take it in in phases. And I think the last thing is the importance. I've learned, you know, we've really learned the importance of trust, open communication, and honesty. So those values are really necessary to make open hiring work for everyone. 
And many employees who have gained access to employment through our program were previously turned away. So it's really important to approach those candidates with a level of understanding and empathy and focus on their potential rather than their history. And by doing that, we're creating the psychological safety for them to succeed. And that is needed, you know, for candidates in general. Yakiba, thank you very much for talking to me. Absolutely. I've really enjoyed the time. My thanks to Nakiba. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.